The Rise of the Barbarian Tribes of Europe, Paleolithic Europe. In the introduction, or the overview, of this topic, at this time we're going to go back to the Paleolithic period, and we'll gradually work our way forward until we obviously get to the developed tribes, and then we can look at them. But it's important to know what we are getting into. So we're going to be looking at the Ice Age going to be some terms in here that may not make much sense to you, but I'll do the best I can with them. And then we'll gradually move on. So we'll probably be on the Paleolithic period, maybe th this time and maybe one other time. Then we'll move on to the Middle Stone Age, the New Stone Age, and so forth and so on. And these are very important because when you're talking about European development, you know, we have Stonehenge, we have New Grange, we have all kinds of other sites around. And they will fit and come in through this period. Now, I will put up on History According to Bob on Facebook, there will be pictures of the glaciation and what the dry land looked like at the height of the Ice Age, which for Europe is really stunning. So let's start working with the Ice Age. The Quaterni Ice Age, which may have begun about 600,000 years ago, is divided in the glacial periods and interglacial periods that are of various lengths. In Europe, these have been named after four Swiss rivers, the Guns, the Mindal, the Riss, and the Verm. According to some calculations, the Verm, or the fourth glacial period, began about 120,000 years ago, but it is no longer regarded as having been a time of continuing cold. There were periods of temporary periods of climatic moderation. These are called interstadials. The fourth glacial was been divided in the three cold and two relatively mild period. Verm 1, Interstall 1, Verm 2, Interstall 2, and Verm 3. At the end of Verm 3, the third cold period of the fourth glacial, Europe entered a third interstadial or fourth interglacial period. As this is approximately 11,000 years ago. Now, Europe must have been a very different during glacial times than, of course, what it is today. Extreme cold, however, will not produce glaciation. Conditions must be such as to cause a huge accumulation of snow in elevated areas. An average annual lowering of the temperatures of about 6 degrees Fahrenheit, if other conditions are favorable, may be sufficient to cause ice to advance. Pressure causes the ice formed from the masses of snow to flow downward. In Europe, there are two main centers from which the ice slowly spread, grinding and leveling up everything before it. One of these centers was, of course, the Alpine area. The other, and the major center, was the Scandinavian north. Between the two advancing ice fields, there was actually a narrow corridor in Central Europe that was not glaciated. Conditions in the corridor must have been somewhat similar to those prevailing in the barren lands of northern Canada or in the Siberian region along the Arctic. The winters would be very cold, but the short summers would be reasonably warm, certainly warm enough for wandering bands of hunters to follow the herds of reindeer and other cold-loving animals. Only in the mountainous areas were France and Spain glaciated during the fourth advance of the ice a fact which is considerable importance in the cultural history of Western Europe. Great Britain was actually out of the scope of the fourth glacial period. It is obvious that the moisture which provided the material for the huge masses of snow and ice, in some areas two miles deep, had to come from the surrounding waters. This causes a lowering of water level and the extension of the continental shelf, thus producing land bridges at such places as Gibraltar, Tunis, Sicily, Italy 
and between England and France, there was a low-lying land that was bisected by a channel river. The meandering rivers, where the North Sea is now, is also there, just rivers. In time, the lowering of the water level would be, to some extent, offset by the depression of the land under the weight of the accumulated ice. When the ice melted, the meltwater was returned to the adjacent lands, and some measure of equilibrium would be restored. Of the four main Upper Paleolithic Old Stone Age cultures, the Agricolan, which belongs to the first interstadial, the Salutrian, and the Gravetian in the second interstadial, and the Magdalena in Verm III, the last major phase of the advance of ice. The people of the Upper Paleolithic times were hunters and food gatherers. This does not mean they were all nomadic. In many districts, such as, for example, in the Garonne and the Vézère river valleys in France, nomadic life was not necessary. There was an abundance of game, and the climate, even during Verm II and Verm III, must have been reasonably favorable, since these areas were far removed from the worst effect of glacial conditions. During the interstadials, the people lived to a great extent in the open, but during the colder phases would move into caves and rock shelters. It was in these caves and shelters that the Upper Paleolithic hunters left a record of many of their interests in drawings and paintings on the walls of caves, on pieces of bone, on ivory, slate, and even reindeer horn. Bears, mammoths, bison, deer, wolves, reindeer, men or sm any smaller animals, and winged fowl are found pictured in great profusion, and in many cases with realism and technique surprising at such an early age. As far as is known, this is the first appearance of pictorial art in the history of human culture. Many of the drawings were colored. There are also some clay modeling and statuary. The presence of certain signs, impressions of mutilated fingers, and representations of medicine men would seem to indicate that the ordinary and primary purpose of the cave art was connected with fertility practices designed to maintain a constant supply of game necessary for food. Perhaps totemic cults were already in existence. Nevertheless, there's little doubt that the artistic impulse was present in a marked degree. The artists may have had a very practical purpose, yet they were greatly concerned with form and symmetry, with accurate descriptions and color contrasts. The chief artifacts were stone knives, the spear, arrowheads, the bow, and engraving tools. These, with bones of animals that were eaten, were found in cultural layers in caves and in open encampments, making it possible to some extent to reconstruct the manner of life of these early settlers in Europe, some of whom are direct ancestors of modern Europeans. Ceremonial burials, often in the floors of caves with the inclusion of food and weapons, would indicate a vague concept of a continued existence after death. In many cases, the bodies of the dead were painted with red ochre to simulate the life-sustaining blood. The dead were buried in shallow earth graves. It is reasonable to assume a widespread language stock divided into separate languages and dialects along the southern Mediterranean coast also existed. When the climate or moderated and the gradual melting of the ice at the end of the upper Paleolithic cultural period, the cold-loving animals moved slowly towards northern Europe. Many of the hunters followed, and the indications of their presence can be found in the North European plain from Berlin to Hamburg. These hunters penetrated into Schleswig-Holstein and were the first permanent settlers of that region. Another area of settlement of Upper Paleolithic hunters is in Upper Saxony and Thuringia. This was before the invasion of the forest, and it must have been an excellent country for game. 
Now after this movement in the Upper Paleolithic period, we move into the Middle Stone Age or Mesolithic culture. And so I'll start with that next time. So it's just a brief picture as to what was going on and how it's described in this early man or anthropological terms that we're gradually reaching towards in our history background. Now the sources for today's podcast is the Germanic people, their origins, expansion, and culture by Owen, Civilization of the Steppes by Conrad, Civilization of the Celts by Lonay. So I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, don't forget to come by the website, summahistorica.com or historyaccordingtobob.com and ask a question, leave a comment, check out our merchandise. And if you like what we're doing, please feel free to support us. Thank you very much.